What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Crossover Podcast, part of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. Every week, we take a look at the Niners' opponent. This week, I am very excited because I am honored to talk to a man that I consider football royalty, and that is Ira Kaufman from JoeBucksFan.com and the Ira Kaufman Podcast, a Hall of Fame selector. Ira, thank you so much for hopping in with me. Thanks, my friend. They call me the Sage in Tampa. I got a nickname, and uh, when people say, why did I call you the Sage? I say, all it means is I'm old. I've been around. <laughs> and I'll give you an example. I think I can say this unequivocally. I'm the only guy in the world that covered Phil Sims and Chris Sims. <laughs> I covered Phil Sims in 1979 when he was a rookie with the Giants. And then I came to Tampa in 85. And ultimately, here comes Chris Sims. So that, that's how far back I go, my friend. Wow. I used to work with Chris every day over at NBC. A little different career than Phil. Just throwing that out there. All right. Absolutely. And he almost lost. He lost the spleen in Tampa. He yes, he did. Spleen. Yes, he Which did. Which is an incredible story. If you've ever hear, if you've ever heard him tell it, it's unbelievable. He, he basically almost died. They, they literally yeah. told his wife, say your goodbyes. That's how bad it was. Absolutely. Uh, let's get into this matchup a little bit because... Everything changed. First, this was supposed to be the master, Tom Brady, against the student, Jimmy Garoppolo. There was the whole subplot of the fact that Tom Brady wanted to come to the 49ers after leaving the Patriots, and they basically said thanks, but no thanks. And now we've got Brock Purdy in at quarterback for the Niners. How does that change your feeling on this game? You know, to tell you the truth, I, I don't think this Garoppolo injury is a death blow to the 2022 49ers. I don't. And I'll tell you why. Even with Garoppolo, they, they didn't ask him to do that much. Manage the game. Don't screw it up. We got a heck of a defense. Give the ball to McCaffrey. Flip the ball to McCaffrey. We got some other weapons. And, you know, don't mess up. And I think <laughs> they're going to tell Purdy the same way. I think that's Tampa's uh, path to victory if they have one Sunday is shut down the Niner running game. And by the way, McCaffrey, when he was with the Panthers, playing the Bucs twice a year, they really did a very good job smothering him. He didn't hurt them very often. Let's see if a change of venue changes that. But shut down the Niner running game, control it. And, of course, they did a very good job on rushing defense against the Saints um, and, uh, and put the ball in Purdy's hands and make him throw 38 times. Uh, that could be a winning formula for Tampa, force a couple of takeaways. They got a good pass rush, and they got a good defense. This defense is the only reason they're 6-6. Six and six. Um, They keep the Bucs in games. Last week, perfect example. The Bucs are stumbling around for 57 minutes. They got three <laughs> points on the board and two giveaways. So they were 0-2 in the turnovers. You're going to lose that game. But yet, they were within striking distance because the Bucks red zone defense kept forcing New Orleans to kick field goals. And when you do that, you hang around and you hang around and you give the ball to Brady at the end, and we know what he can do with the ball. So, look, nobody knows Tom Brady uh, better than John Lynch uh, and Kyle Shanahan, and um, you don't let that guy beat you. You just don't. Why hasn't the offense looked as good as it has in Brady's tenure there this year? I think it's because uh, the first thing you would say is, well, the offensive line is different. You know, Ali Marpet retired. The guy's an all, uh, you know, a pro bowl left guard. 
Uh, Ryan Jensen gets hurt the second day of training camp. Hasn't played a snap. Uh, right guard Alex Kappa uh, moves on as a free agent to Cincinnati. So a lot of people would point that out. I would point out something else. I think it's the transition from Bruce Arians to Byron Leftwich in terms of being totally in charge of the offense. Um, Arians is now up in the booth. He's not even, you know, on the sidelines. Uh, he's the assistant, you know, to the general manager. And he had a certain philosophy, you know, like it or not. Uh, no risk it, no biscuit, throw the ball down the field. And Brady doesn't do that anymore. He just doesn't do it. Now, you might say, well, wait a minute. Chris Godwin's not 100%. He's coming off that ACL. Uh, to tell you the truth, Mike Evans looks a little slower than he has in the past. Might be nursing a little bit of a hamstring. Uh, Russell Gage has done nothing. And they don't, have, they don't have Gronkowski. I mean, you can't overplay. Uh, that's a conspicuous loss uh, in the running game and the passing game, especially in the red zone. But this offense is different, my friend. They throw a lot of swing passes to the running back, a little screen pass to Godwin. And what they don't do is take shots downfield. And so that's been a big change in this Buck offense. And you know what? It's not working. They're averaging 18 points a game with Tom Brady. Sounds like that's going to play into the 49ers strength. Their, their strength is pursuit and tackling. So if you're going to throw a lot of short passes and screen passes, I'll sign for that right now. I'm with you. And, you know, the one thing, they won the game Monday night. Great rally, great comeback. But when you look at it, they didn't address their issues. They still can't score touchdowns. We know the defense is good, and we knew that before the game. But this team, I'll tell you, I'll give you an example. They're 6-6. Six and six. By the way, they've allowed two more points than they've scored this year. So this is a very average, average Buck team in record uh, and statistics, they're going to win the division because of the division they're in. Everywhere else, they're at least two games back. So that's the saving grace for the Bucks. But um, the issue is scoring points, and they didn't do anything Monday night to tell you that uh, they, they've solved those problems. They, the, the running game is, is, is poor. It's very erratic. Uh, I don't think the Niners are worried uh, about Leonard Fournette and, and Rashad White at all. Uh, what they are worried about is putting pressure on Tom Brady. And they don't have Tristan Wirfs for the next two, three weeks. He's certainly not going to play Sunday. And I think he's the best right tackle in football. Uh, I think he's one of the top three tackles, period. And I know the Niners have one uh, of their own in their yep. left tackle. Tristan Wirfs is a fantastic football player. And he's not going to play uh, in, in San Jose on Sunday. And I think... Joey Bosa coming off that left side. He, he might have a field day. He's been absolutely. I mean, I mean Nick, Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa, right. I'm sorry. He's yeah. been absolutely incredible this year. 15 and a half sacks, I think, uh, or maybe 14 and a half, but he has just the, been the, unbelievable. The Bucs are certainly going to have to double team Nick Bosa. They, they don't have any choice. I was listening to the Ira Kaufman podcast after the Browns game. You're a good man. You're a good man. <laughs> let's just say the mood was down. Yeah. Has the mood in Tampa changed after that win last week? No, people are still on Byron Leftwich. They think his play calling is archaic. It's very conservative. How about taking some shots downfield? Um, they don't score touchdowns in the red zone. Todd Bowles is getting clobbered for some of his decisions about punting on fourth and short, not using timeouts. 
And it really, it really was a big factor in the Cleveland game. I don't like to rip coaches normally, but that Cleveland game uh, was a travesty, an absolute travesty. Um, and I'll give you one example. Um, the Bucks got the ball after the Browns tied it up. And, you know, there was only 45 seconds left. But it's Tom Brady. Not mm-hmm. a game tied. You only need a field goal. You don't need a touchdown. First down, they went. They threw a pass for one yard. He didn't call timeout. Oh. Clock run. And on the next play, he threw 26 yards. So they got across midfield. But they didn't have enough time left to get the winning field goal. And when asked about it the next day, Bowles said the worst thing you can say to Buck fans, the very worst thing. You know what he said? I was worried about Brady throwing an interception down there. What? You can't can't say that. He's thrown (laughs) two. He had thrown two interceptions all season uh, until Monday night when he threw his third. He doesn't throw picks. This ain't Jameis Winston we're talking about. (laughs) So, so, you know, Bowles has this, you know, love-hate relationship with Buck fans. And right now, it's tilting towards the hate. Well, I always thought it was going to be a weird year because that report came out that Brady wanted to go to Miami with Sean Payton. And then that all got turned upside down because of the Brian Flores lawsuit. And then it was just like, oh, no, just kidding. I want to play in Tampa Bay. Like, I always thought that was a weird thing. Was there any sort of animosity there that Brady was walking into that locker room where basically everybody knew he wanted out? I, I, think, you, I think you're on point. That created a very weird vibe. Now, the other big speculation was that Brady drove off Bruce Arians sort right. of get an ultimatum to uh, ownership. I don't think that's true. I, I never believed that. I don't think it's true. They didn't always see eye to eye. But look, they were 29 and 10 in two years. They got a Super Bowl. They were averaging 30 points. I mean, what, what, what's Brady got to complain about? He wasn't getting hit. So you drive off Bruce Arians to get Byron Leftwich and Todd Bowles. I, I didn't believe that. The Miami story is true. The Miami story is true. Uh, there, was, there was a plan in the works to uh, couple up uh, Brady and Sean Payton in, in Miami because they didn't know about Tua at that point. And now I think Tua's gone a long way to solidify his, uh, his situation in Miami. So going into next season, by the way, Brady's not on the contract. He's not for next year. I think, I think the odds are now that the divorce is finalized and not just speculate speculation. I think the odds are that he wants to play. Uh, you know, he's not playing badly. And now I'm not sure he wants to come back to Tampa. I mean, suppose they finish eight and nine, nine and eight, even if they win the division, might have to play Dallas in round one at home. Uh, you could get bounced right away. And if you're Brady, if you have if you have options, and I don't know how many options they'll have, because I'm not sure the Niners are a real option. I'm not sure. Uh, you got Garoppolo, Lance is still around. Um, we'll see. But um, I think your point is, is absolutely right. This retirement, then the unretirement, then Arians leaving, then missing 10 days of training camp. He's never explained what he did for those 10 days. I know people say, well, Tom Brady, he's done enough. Uh, we should excuse that. You know what? That's unprecedented. I've never heard of a player doing that. Especially, Especially for the most him, important player on a team. 
Yeah, I said that as soon as he did that, I said something is not going to be right this year. I mean, this guy's whole life is about football down to everything he eats and what time he goes to bed and the whole thing. And then all of a sudden he just walked away in the middle of training camp. Uh, You're right. If it was somebody else, you'd say, well, they're not that committed. Well, Tom Brady was all about commitment. He would talk about it. You got to be 100% committed to football. Uh, Look, it probably impacted his personal life. We know that now Uh, it did. Um, And he comes in and misses 10 days of training camp. He's got some new receivers to work with that missed him for 10 days. And look, the results speak for themselves. Mm -hmm. They're averaging 18 points. Brady has taken every snap this year. He hasn't been hurt. And they're averaging 18 points. And he might be on track for his first losing record in the National Football League. So who can argue with your point? Do you have a final score prediction this week? I'm betting the under, my friend. I'm betting the wow. under. I don't know what I don't know what the number is, but I'm betting the under. Um, I think it's 37. You know what? I I could see something like uh 17-7. Uh, Niners. Wow. I think it's a tall order. I was talking to Derek Brooks this week. He bleeds bucks. You know that. And we were talking about this game and he, you know, he, he still picked the bucks cause he can't not pick the bucks, <laughs> but he, he, he called it a, a, a tall, tall order for the bucks to win this game. They got to go cross country. I believe they'll leave in Friday a day early smart. Um, but you know, this Tristan Wirfs thing, I keep coming back to it because You know, he's the one guy you could depend on up front because Donovan Smith is struggling at left tackle and the Niners have a heck of a pass rush and that they're getting healthy on defense. I I think the Bucs are going to have a very difficult time scoring unless Purdy gives them some short fields. They got to win the turnover battle. So the Niners are favored for a reason. uh, And I think the Bucs are going to end up being six and seven. And they got the Bengals coming in next week. And that ain't no easy game either. Yeah, they're playing a lot better recently. Uh, Before we wrap up, I did not know this, but I discovered before we went on the air that you are a San Francisco Giants fan and you are a recovering San Francisco Giants fan because Aaron Judge spurned San Francisco for New York. And now you're kind of left holding the bag. You know, I'm glad you mentioned it because I am no bandwagoner. Um, I don't want, I don't want to tell people my age, but, um, <laughs> I, I, my brother was a Dodgers fan. We're growing up in New York. He's a Dodger fan. I got to pick the opposite team. So right. we're talking about the 1960s Mays, McCovey, Marischal. And so I take the giants. He takes the Dodgers. What happens in the sixties? The Dodgers are winning pennants. The Dodgers are winning world series. They got Colfax and the giants are finishing second every darn year. It mm. seemed in the 60s, second, you know, three games out. Um, so I am a longtime Giants fan. I love the 2021 season. Kapler was fantastic. I didn't really like to hire a Kapler, but then who could argue after, you know, winning 106, seven games. And then he played the Dodgers so tough in that playoff game. To me, the biggest problem with the Giants over the years, they don't score enough runs. They just don't score. And, and it happened again last year. It's, it's not a good lineup. I mean, you can't compare that to the Dodger lineup, even the Padres yeah. lineup. They need some big boppers, and they don't have them right now. And, um, uh, you know, things aren't looking that good because that's a tough division. Um, and, and the attendance is flagging. So, Larry Bear, if you're listening to this podcast, um, get your act together 
and uh, and spend some money, which they have. They have money to spend, but spend it wisely. Don't spend it foolishly. That's my that's my plea. You can hear Ira Kaufman on the Ira Kaufman podcast. You can read his work at JoeBucksFan.com. Ira, I cannot thank you enough for the time today. You're welcome, my friend. San Francisco, gorgeous, gorgeous city. Love it. Love Chinatown. Love everything about it, except when I'm trying to walk up hills, you know, a mile and a half. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not in that kind of shape. But um, I can't wait till uh, our next trip to San Francisco. And uh, love being on the podcast. Thanks, Ira. 